Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is uh, Thursday, April 19th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup and AFL Podcast. My name is Will Anderson. My name is Charlie Clawson. And I've got to say, Will, like you've been outstanding this season. Your dogs haven't been that great, but you have been right on form. You've got the date right every single time. Today was the biggest challenge. I've got to be honest with you, Charlie. I have just rolled out of bed. Um, uh, look, you know, we had a big preseason <laughs> in uh, intro training. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, I, I did, a, I went to a camp yeah. and what happened was, um, that for the entire time I was at the camp, they blindfolded me and they put me in headphones and I had to actually hear our intro music over and over <laughs> again. And then they just throw me a date and I would have to go with the intro at any stage. And I, I feel like despite the fact that some of the other people on that camp couldn't understand why they had to listen to our intro over and over again. And they've, they've complained since, but I, I really feel like I've come out of it a better, a better leader, a better introducer i've got more confidence i'm better under all conditions we've recorded on different days at different times and i feel like i've really managed to get the date and the introduction you know kind of right this year so look it's very pleasing it's very positive yeah uh five rounds in but obviously it's a long season and the only introduction that really matters is the one on grand final day so (laughs) just take it one inch at a time charlie what i like about it is that fad of high altitude intro training seems to have, everyone's yeah. moved on from like people realize it was a waste of money sending you to new zealand to do your your intro training i think you know that- oh yeah but i have been um obviously as you know charlie i'm living in this new house but i don't have a fridge and the only thing that refrigerates on the roof so i feel like you know that constant sort of you know having to go up those two uh lots of steps to get up you know two stories of steps up onto the roof i feel like that in some ways that has been an altitude training yeah i feel like it's just built my lung capacity something that you know clearly has been damaged a little in my off seasons in previous years so. well, a of, what a lot of people don't realize is the part of the reason i'm in the states is i'm spending time with other american podcasts and seeing how they do their introductions just seeing if there's anything you know a bit of intel we can share so i can come back and you know bring something back for our podcast yeah you're on a podcast fact finding mission that's exactly right exactly <laughs> i got suspended by the world of podcasting and i got a payout by two guys one cup to come to america for a year yeah, that's right. You're, you're doing some courses. Yeah. You're doing some research. You're learning how to speak French. Yeah. Who knows what you're up to? <laughs> but I'll be presenting to Norm Smith at this year's grand final. And the good news is the next year, this is going to be a podcast about chocolates. So <laughs> it has to be about something else besides football because boy, oh boy, like the Saints didn't surprise anyone this week. But the Bulldogs, I watched, that was the game that I saw the entire game. It's the one that I set aside this week that I'll sit down and watch the entire thing. And it was so exciting. Like, I was like, look at the Bulldogs. They're back. They're so skillful. Like, they're like the Harlem Globetrotters again. And I just was, I just wanted you guys to win so badly. But I can only imagine if I was feeling that, how you must have felt. Well, I'll tell you the good news about how I watched this game, which is that I watched the first two and a half quarters Mm. live and uh the bulldogs were amazing so like 
as far as I of what I saw live, if I'd never watched any of it, I would have just gone, yep, yeah, we're back. We played that well against Essendon and we're down on, you know, players still. But if we could play that way and then sort of, you know, start reintroducing some of our better players in, you know, you were just like, I mean, Eastern Wood's essentially, you know, keeping Buddy quiet by himself. Him and like Eastern Wood and just like eight kids. Yeah. Like it wasn't the Bulldogs back line. It was like one of those, um, you know, tribute shows yeah. that tours around the world where it's like, this was... This was Guns and Roses with Buckethead. Yeah, we had a whole back. We had a whole back line of Bucketheads and no Slash. Or was it? But more, yeah. Or was it more Return of the Jedi, where like you know the Luke and, and Han have to employ the Ewoks to help take down the Empire? You know, <laughs> I mean that's what it is. Caleb Daniel <laughs> kind of exactly what it is. But if you put Our a little a little would... helmet on one of those Ewoks, it would look like Caleb Daniel. That's actually the inspirational footage that uh, Luke Beveridge showed them before the game. You know, he's big on children's books and, mm. you, know, you know, different types of journeys. He actually just showed them Return of the Jedi. And he said, look, if those tiny little Ewoks can take you down those giant machines just by roping them around the leg, I think I've got a strategy for Buddy. And everyone's like, look, Bevo, I know you won a Supremacy a couple of years ago, but I feel like your ideas have finally jumped the shark. So were you, uh, when did you check the score after the game? So I, um, the reason I didn't see the next bit of it was that um, I went to see Lane Owen Woodley. Lane Owen Woodley uh, back doing, after 12 years, doing a show at the Comedy Festival. And the only time that I could see it was uh, 5.30 uh, last Saturday afternoon. So I went into that show and it goes for 90 minutes. Uh, and so I couldn't check the score until I was out of there and I had to go straight to my show. So I didn't end up watching the rest of it until the next day, but I saw, I saw the score. And so I went, these were my stages. Excitement going into it, going, oh, this is great. And to be honest, even if we lose from here, I remember thinking, even if we lose this game from here, this is, this is what you want to see. If they play like this every week, you'd be very happy as a Bulldogs fan regardless of what the results are, right? Mm-hmm. So I went into Leighton Woodley thinking that. I got out and saw the score and went, ah, oh, that's all right. You know, Sydney are a, probably a top two, top four team. And with no one in our team, we've gone that close to them. And I felt pretty good about that all night. And then I watched the, re- the rest of it on the replay the next day. And then I was fucking devastated. Because oh. like, then you were like, oh, nah, we should have won. We definitely should have won. Totally should have won. Like it was, I mean, it's a great game. As a neutral supporter, I've got to say, it was fantastic to watch. People were saying that Sydney were down the Bulldogs, you know, because you guys missed lots of shots on goal. But I think that was just the kind of, that was the pace of the game. It was like a fairly frenetic, you know, you had to take your chances. And just poor old Josh Dunkley. Like, was it four behinds and then a chance to ice the game? And to hearken back to probably the first episode of Two Guys, One Cup, Will, would you say that he spent it before he had it? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like he had... Like, he was one of those people that he'd already demonstrated early in the game that he wasn't spending wisely. Yes. <laughs> you know... <laughs> He was splashing around cash all over the place like it didn't matter. He was shooting at goal like he was just making it rain at a strip club. And you're like, that's a guy that is not fiscally responsible on the football field. And when it came to his big moment, much like he had all day long, he spent it before he had it. I mean, it almost looked like he went to take the mark. And I imagined, I almost thought I was going to see him run into the goal square, go to kick the ball and realise there was nothing in his hands. Because like it was just... It was that clear that he was going to take the ball and kick the goal. Like, it was just a foregone conclusion. And then, oh, man. I mean, look, I'm very familiar with heartbreaking losses in the goal square. Like, I've seen quite a few happen in my time. But it was just, 
I mean, people were, were uh, uh, ragging on Caleb Daniel as well. I don't think that, I don't think, I think that criticism's a bit harsh. Like, he was trying to win the game, Caleb Daniel. He's squaring up to the goal square, trying to find someone, because he could have kicked a point and it was a draw. But I think if Bev, the way they were playing, obviously the instruction from Bevo was just like, you know, play to your strengths, play how you want to play, like do what you think's best, gave them license. So I think he, you know, put it to the top of the square. But do you, looking back, go, I wish Caleb Daniel kicked that point and we'd drawn with them? No, and I've come around to this idea too that um, I think the Bulldogs have been concentrating too much on trying to get it right, and I think that's what the problem's been. Like, I think, like, you know this idea that we're scoring all these points, and it's a constant Bulldogs frustration, which is, oh, imagine how well we'd be winning if we actually kicked all these goals. I actually think that's wrong. I actually think the Bulldogs play at their best when we're just going for it. Peppering. When when you're Sampal peppering the goals. Exactly. It was good the second time when I didn't have to wait 15 minutes like last time you told that joke on the podcast and then it dropped out for 15 minutes Oh yeah, well, and then we, we came back. We should update. That was much more natural. We should update the two guys on Cup Audience. In the intervening week, last week was brutal. Like how many dropouts brutal. do we have? Like five, five, seven, seven dropouts. I think Michael told us there were seven complete dropouts. It was so frustrating. And so we finally, uh, uh, we did what needed to be done, went out, I got you a new router and Things are crystal clear. We've recorded a TOEFOP in that time. We're talking now. Uh, uh, there's a there's a bonus uh, two guys one cup for the Patreon page that we recorded in that time as well. Yeah. And um, uh, here's what I'll say, Charlie. It's good that the Dan Andrews government finally got together, put together a lucrative package for up to for us to upgrade our facilities for this <laughs> podcast. I mean, sure, Eddie had needed attention. Sure, the grand final needed to be locked in at the MCG. But I think the real injection of funds into grassroots footy, Charlie, was uh, the Andrews government uh, pledging us a new router. So thank you, Daniel Andrews. Well, I'm hoping that the problems that were afflicting our podcast is what's been afflicting St Kilda. Maybe like St Kilda, they just need to go get a new router. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe like when they're doing their team meetings and stuff, they're just having trouble like communicating on the, on the, on the board, the video board, video screen about what the plays are. Maybe that's the issue. There's buffering issues. They're just not getting the communication going. Well, there does seem to be a lack of communication in the team. It's like every decision is on Skype delay. Yeah. So you might be right, Charlie. It might just be a technology issue. Who was the famous coach who, yeah, remember there's that famous story of one of the coaches missing out on a job because, yeah, on the day his presentation. Yeah. Who was that? Is it Dimmer? I think it was Dimmer. It might have been Dimmer. Michael, can you search for us? Find out which coach had his uh, presentation. Uh, fell apart because uh, his PowerPoint didn't work. I think that was the story, right? PowerPoint presentation yeah. didn't work. Yeah, so um, his Power Pepper pa- point <laughs> presentation. <laughs> Sam Power Pepper presentation. You know what? Maybe that's actually what we've missed. That's the missing ingredient, Charlie. Mm. We're talking about the fact that down at St Kilda, uh, that it, you know, you're missing a couple of quality players. And we, yeah, there's been a lot of speculation about who they would be. But really, if you want Richo to coach, and we know that he loves to say p words so much, surely you've got to get Pal Pepper down to yeah, the Yeah, he would love that. He would love that. What position are you putting Pal Pepper in? What's the most <laughs> pleasing position to put Pal Pepper in? If Sam Pal Pepper picked a pick of peckles. <laughs> Um, yes, so uh, Bulldogs. the Saints. Let's oh, no. go. Oh, no, let's, no, let's, let's stay Saints. on the Bulldogs for a bit because okay. uh, there was something. It was Damien Hardwick. Thank you, Mike Al. Uh, there was something that I noticed in the wash up of the weekend's footy. A lot of commentators talking about, and it was this very. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's like passive is the right term, but a lot of people started talking about Matthew Suckling, 
And the conversation was always, for a guy who supposedly a uh, good kicker goal, he misses a lot. And it was like... Charlie, have you, have you ever heard that opinion expressed before in your uh, company? What do you mean? Uh, that is my constant lament when I watch the football. I uh, am... Th- finally, oh, right. this week, people have been saying what I have been saying for two fucking years, which is... Matthew Suckling is not as good a kick <laughs> as Matthew Suckling thinks he is. But that's, that's the problem with Matthew Suckling is he's a good kick, but he thinks he's the greatest kick of all time. It's like everyone is sort of waking up to that fact. But the funny thing is like, well, you all took the pill. Like you all decided that he was a good kick because like, I think I saw no. Jason Dunstall, David King, they're all saying, you know, for a supposedly good kick. And it's like, is this the Mandela effect? Like, have we just somehow we just decided that Matthew Suckling was a good kick off the lack of any evidence? Because he has that weird, like, left footer motion. They're kind of sort of helicoptery type dragging kicks, right? Yeah, he's famously a good kick for someone who's never really been that good a kick. <laughs> How do you do like, that? I'm, I'm, I'm definitely one of those sort of uh, men's right activists when it comes to... I'm a Matthew rights activist yeah. because like, I am one of those ones where like you took the wrong pill. Yeah. Everybody else is living in this deluded world <laughs> where they think that Matthew Suckling is this really good kick where he is at best an okay kick. No, he is actually a good kick, but he thinks he's a great kick and that's why he's not a good kick, if that makes sense. Like, I think if he kicked within his limitations... He is actually a really excellent kick, but because he thinks he's such a good kick, he goes for these kicks that are beyond his capacity and they're the ones you're most likely to shank. Mm. So I don't think that he's... I think that people are right in saying that he is a very good kick, but the problem is he isn't a very good kick. He goes, this is the limitations of my ability. I'm going to stay within that. If he was, he probably would be regarded as one of the best kicks in the league. But because everyone's told him, hey, you're a really good kick, he thinks he can kick anything. Yeah. He just thinks as soon as I get the ball, I'm a very good kick. So I should just try to like, you know, circle it around, boomerang it or swing around that guy. I never really thought of him as like, like a good kick in the sort of like Pendlebury precise pinpoint type thing. But I always thought he was a, like the classic raking yeah. left foot. Long raking kick off halfback. Yeah, he's a penetrating halfback flanker, which is what, you know, every team, you know, ideally you want a halfback flanker with a left foot because they, they can just kick it further. But... I always seem to think his ball's helicopter. Like he kicks it so flat that they tend to, they spin, but they don't spin vertically. They spin like horizontally around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I mean, I think it was always a bad sign that Clarko didn't shed one tear when uh, Suckling left. Like, you know, you could just tell that, you know, if he was such a good kick, Clarko would have been devastated to see him leave. But Clarko just let him walk out the door. Um and the other thing about him is, and I, I look, I think Suckling's a good player. Like, I'm not, like, anti-Suckling. I just think that it's one of those things where because they've constantly told him he's good at one thing, he does that thing to the detriment of his overall game now. Like, I like I like a bunch of other aspects of his game. I think he's a good tackler. You know, he's a he seems like a really good team man. Like, he's one of those people when you watch them on the field, like, you know, the other players seem to really like him. When he's playing well, we're playing well, all those sort of things. Mm. I just think it's literally that thing of, he's concentrating too hard on the thing that it's like, you know what he's like? He's like someone who's been told they're a good mark and they won't stop going for big high flying marks every single time. That's what he's like with his kicking. I, I don't, I actually came away from that game. Even though you lost, I feel I'm, it's good to see the Bulldogs with their mojo back. Like when you start getting your players back, if you can maintain that, because you looked 
like electric. Like where, the, the mm. ball movement, the handballs, the way you got into the corridor, like it all was exciting. Red path looks good. Like you've got like a good focal point up forward. JJ seems to have some touch back. Like I think it's all good signs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too stressed if I were you. No. No, 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 I'm not. I, I, I look, I mean, to be honest, after those first two rounds, like to see two rounds like the last two rounds, you'd be real. like for me, it's like, oh, well, if we could bring that intensity every week, we'll be around the finals. Mm. Maybe not make them, but we'll be around them and it'll just depend on players coming back. The thing that's exciting is that I think, uh, I do think that Boyd, Tom Boyd's starting to warm up in the twos. He kicked five goals and had 22 touches on the weekend. And um, Tim English is yeah. just like, he's only he's only six games in or whatever he is. But if you look at what Grundy's doing at Collingwood, mm. you can see in like, if we're willing to like put the games in English, like you can see, I reckon three or four years from now, he could be like the predominant sort of like, you know, Ruckman in the league, which is what our team definitely needs is like a big mobile Ruckman because if they play Bontempelli in the Ruck one more time, I'm going to drive over to Bevo's house and fucking cement him in it. I'm sorry, but like, don't, don't put him in the ruck. It's just dangerous. You yeah. might get hurt. Stop it. Yeah, you don't. You don't take a Ferrari four wheel driving. No, exactly. My uh, yeah, my dad didn't, doesn't buy a brand new car and then take it out and, uh, and fucking put a harvester on the back of it and plow <laughs> the fucking fields on the farm. It's not what you do. And the good thing about having a player with a surname English is it just opens up the Herald Sun to so many fantastic pun headlines. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's what we like. Yeah, that's uh, what you we need. like to provide provide that opportunity for the club. I mean, Bond and Belly's been a nightmare for them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at primary school, it would have been easy. Bontem Smelly is the first thing that comes to mind, right? <laughs> but you can't well, put that in a newspaper. Uh, here's what I will say about Bond and Pally, and now here, this might get might be a bit controversial. Oh dear, is that he has started okay? but he hasn't started at the level that he has been at for the last couple of years. And I was kind of, and I think partly it's because they're using him down forward a bit more, which means he just doesn't have the, you know, capacity to influence the game quite as much yet. But I would still like to see him move back in. Like, I think once we sort out our forward line a bit more, I'd like to see Bond and Pally play less in the forward line and more in the middle again, because I just think he has the capacity to be, you know, steel side bottom, Dusty Martin, you know, that mm. sort of, you know, elite midfielder. And at the moment, I just think we're not quite fully utilising him or he's he isn't playing quite at the level you expect that he might be playing at. Speaking of steel side bottom, Friday night, pies, backs against the wall. <laughs> Can't tip against them in those circumstances. Well, I mentioned this on the Patreon podcast we did, but I'll back over it, which is, you, we we spoke about this last week, and you were like, "Are the backs?" Well, we, we did our Collingwood litmus test, <laughs> yeah. which is how close are their backs to the wall? And this one, even more so than Richmondy, is still reliable. It's still a reliable test. If you're flipping a coin on how Collingwood are going to go on a day, if you assess their proximity of backs to wall, the backs to wall ratio, mm. you get your mathematics expert in there, and you work that out. You could pick the result. Of this game. Champion data should do a backs to the wall meter on Collingwood every week. Mm. And it was only increased by the fact that on the day of the game, the lights weren't working uh, until the last moment and it rained incredibly, which I just think put their backs further and further against the wall. Yeah, definitely. It is funny though, like how uh, a win can just change everyone's perception because now when you listen to all the kind of serious footy podcasts, not this one, like ones where they actually do proper analysis and stuff, all of a sudden they're very bullish 
about Collingwood's chances and when they get some injured players back and, you know, their top-end talent is still elite. And it's like, that's interesting. Like, two weeks ago, you were reading the last rights for this club. It's really... I forgot. I mean, I don't know why. I've been following football my entire life, but I forgot how fickle the football public is when it comes to assessing a team's chances. Well, I also think not just the football public, but the football media. Mm. Because the football media have to find so many things to talk about every single week that I think our capacity to flip-flop from, um, you know, it being all good to all bad um, or catastrophize over a cup. Like, I mean, we say it every year, it's just round one, right? Yeah. But the amount of pronouncements that are made after round one about how a team will definitely go for the rest of the season are incredible. And, like, to get to round four, who knows whether Collingwood are going to be any good or not. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they had this win for Buckley's sake and all that, you know, because I find it a boring story, the whole, they've recontracted him for two years, let him coach, see how it goes, and at the end of that, make your decision. But this kind of, you know, three rounds into a season, you know, is is Buckley's job on the line again? Shut up. (laughs) Fucking stop it. Just (laughs) shut up. Boring, Mate, you've got to sell Herald Suns, though. (laughs) Right, but talk about something else. Find something else to talk about. It just bores the shit out of me. Um, so I like the Collingwood one for that. So we can kind of move on to Adelaide. Did the camp destroy them? <laughs> Man, it's really weird, isn't it? Like I didn't, uh, we sort of like uh, speculated that maybe there would be, that Adelaide would not be given the warmth and affection that they received last year. They were a potential fairy tale last year and we're all behind yep. them. But that's, we all, but that's all gone now. But I didn't realise like, I mean, I'm actually starting to, a walk back my comments about Adelaide after seeing I don't want to be part of this light lynch mob like the way they've gone after Tex Walker I mean look I understand the way he plays the game and 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 what he demands of his teammates and then to see him have a little look it's not great but surely every every player has had a look whether or not it's been caught by the cameras or not Every player's had a look in their career. Oh, Charlie, sometimes when I'm walking through the house, I have a look. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes when I'm just like, you know, you have that thing where you just like think there's a noise behind you or whatever and you're just like, oh. Yeah. Like I just do that in my regular life when there's nothing there. Yeah, my, sh- my shadow the- makes me jump. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. You know, people use that as an insult. Yeah. It's happened to me. Yeah. Um, I called the police when I saw my reflection. It's all about these things that, you know, fit the narrative, right? So if the narrative is that there's trouble, Mm. um, you know, after they beat Richmond, suddenly, you know, there was going to be that moment where every club was going to go on one of those camps and, you know, play the opposition's theme song and stuff like that. But of course, now that they lose, wins or losses just define the narrative of what you're doing. And like so much of what, you know, the processes are defined by the wins and losses. Uh, you know, it was either a good idea or a bad idea based on the fact whether they won or they lost. I would like to know, I don't know who his opponent was when he had the look, but I would like to know if the opponent yelled out footsteps. Did you ever used to do that when you played footy? Yell out footsteps? It'd be great if it was old school. <laughs> yeah. Like just went back, yeah. I mean, I think Tex would appreciate that. You know, he's an old school footballer, real traditional sort of footballer. I think... I think he'd be a guy who likes footsteps. I think he'd be a guy who appreciated a good chew on your boot. You're hot. You're hot. <laughs> quick hands, quick hands. I can't remember. There's a comedian who was on um, uh, Junk Time with Michael and Adam. I can't remember who it was, but he did like a, a summer 
training with like I think it was St Kilda. Uh, you know, he was asked to sort of train in the under 18s with one of those teams in the like late 80s, early 90s, and he couldn't remember anyone's names. Didn't know the team. Didn't know any of their players' names, and so everyone became quick hands <laughs> because that's all you would say them. Quick hands. Hey, quick hands. Quick hands. Quick hands. Do you think that there's any current AFL players who don't know who any of their teammates are? Uh, Nat Fife. Like, is that a possible... Nat Fife. <laughs> I, I imagine Nat Fife doesn't know. Nat Fife knows them by their numbers and their positions. <laughs> he ranks them on player who can kick the ball to me, player who can't kick the ball to me, player that I have to carry the load for. I imagine Nat Fife like, doesn't even like eat with the other players. I imagine he's got his own like, little wing. Yeah, I mean, is there a chance? I mean, with a new player or whatever, is there a chance there'd be senior... I mean, I know you have meetings and boards Mm. and all that sort of stuff, but would there be that, do you think, where people would be like... Because in any new environment, you know, I guess with footy clubs, at least you can look up their numbers and stuff. Like, you know, a bunch of the Bulldogs came to my show last night um, at the comedy festival, and there was a whole bunch of young players. Was Josh Dunkley there? uh, (laughs) Actually, I don't know if Josh was there or not, so yeah. I won't. But you know why? Um, because uh, he spent the money for the ticket before he had it. <laughs> or were they comps? <laughs> they were comps. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, you know, when you see them in their street clothes, some of them are readily identifiable, but some of them are identifiable yeah. only as AFL footballers. Yeah. And, but I guess at a footy club, at least if you're a new player, because you work, you go into a new work environment. I found this at the radio station. You know, you meet every single person in the building in week one. Yeah. And so they all know who you are, but because you're the one new person, but Mm. you've just met like 80 people and you realize I'm never, ever going to know 60 of your names because there's never another time where it would be appropriate for me to ask what your name is. Yeah. Yeah. they, They think that's done. We've been introduced. But I need a footy program of the place I work with everybody's photo on it so I can look up their you know, stats and what they do and what their name is. Well, when I was on Home and Away, because you know that's a fairly large cast and you've got new actors and guest actors coming in all the time, like you could go six months addressing someone by their character's name. <laughs> You'd never have to use... Because you just didn't know. Like, you may only see them you know, when you're on set or on location or whatever. So you just call them by... And it was kind of like an accepted faux pas. It's like, well, that guy just called me Zach. That's fine. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll allow it. So I guess that's similar to the kind of, could you just call a guy 17? Because <laughs> that's the number he wears. Oi, 17. Quick hands. Well, maybe that's why there's so many nicknames at football clubs. You know, football clubs are notorious for nicknames. So maybe it is that idea of going, no one can remember. So I'll just make something up. Yeah. That guy's really good at coming up with nicknames. No, no, no he's just got a terrible memory for actual names. <laughs> Um, speaking of uh, players not being able to remember things, did you see poor old Dylan Robin? Oh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. That's ups- no good. That's upsetting, whatever that is. Like, uh, uh, I know that they're still doing tests and stuff, but that doesn't look good. Well, that's, I mean, there's so many players at the moment who seem to have, so Liam Pickens out, Bulldogs, maybe indefinitely at the moment, can't come to the stadium and stuff because of the crowd noise. Um, like even there's been what two heart conditions, two heart murmurs or whatever mm. in the last like three weeks. It feels like the injuries are not this. You know, we used to worry about like osteitis pubis, Charlie, mm. and now it's like people losing their 
memory and having concussion and their heart stopped working and stuff like that. It feels, it feels like this is a whole new series of VR. <laughs> it really does. Like it's, or it's house. It's like disease of the week. It's house. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where it's like, because I, I don't know if you saw it live, but I was watching it live in LA, obviously. And when the crowd kind of realized that he hadn't been belted, that he had just collapsed, like it is eerie to hear 27,000 people suddenly go quiet because, you know, the crowd's fairly parochial up until that point. But then you see right. a player in the opposition literally just drop. And you notice because Tom Hawkins was calling a doctor. Like everyone was just trying to get people out there. And it was just one of those kind of moments where you're like, oh, God, I hope, I hope we don't see something worse happen on the field. Like it would be awful. And, and, and we forget, like we have a lot of fun on this show and we bag players and we make fun of the game and stuff. But, you know, ultimately like these guys are going out, even if they get through their entire career, without a significant injury, like a lot of them have like ongoing issues after they retire, you know? And it's, and it's one of those things I always feel, not defensive, but I, I think it's very short-sighted when you hear people attack players for, well, they get paid a lot of money and, you know, they get to play football for a living. It's like, yeah, but they're putting their bodies on the line for our entertainment, you know? We should be doing everything we can to make sure that they have the best quality of life during and afterwards. Uh, okay, so firstly, I love that we finally got to the point where we've done one of my favorite show business things, which is, look, guys, we've all had a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> if I could just, the real message If I could just uh, take a moment to get serious. <laughs> um, but I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, what we expect of these guys now in what they need to do to put their body on the line in regard to uh, recovery, in regard to the injections that we expect them to take, painkillers, all these sort of things. Having gone through that period last year where I was getting the cortisone shots in my spine so I could do the telly, um, to, to imagine that players are doing that sort of stuff regularly just to get up and play and throw their... Bo- I was doing it to just be able to sit down. To you know, <laughs> They do it to be able to get out there and like you know get bashed into again and like you yeah. know do all this. And the idea that some of them have trouble with their memory after the age of 40. Some of them have, yeah, yeah, can, can, can barely walk getting out of bed, these sort of things. Mm. Again, a lot of this is actually now that I think about describing me as well. So maybe <laughs> it isn't football that does this to people. Maybe it's just old age. I have trouble getting out of bed and my memory is terrible. Did I play football, Charlie? Have I? Is my, is that... I mean, I, I do, I, I've got a friend, we have a friend uh, who was a, a doctor a sports doctor and I've talked to him about concussion quite a bit and he said that like the the issue is that they don't really know like you know even the kind of mandatory two-week period or month you're meant to take out is kind of an arbitrary number because when the brain gets bruised or sloshed around in the skull there's no real way of knowing how much of an impact it's going to have and everyone's brain is different as well so I mean, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, you become vegetarian because you realize that, you know, the way animals are treated, you know, to support the meat industry. If it becomes, if this goes to an extreme level where you're just finding out that across the board, like AFL footballers are having these horrible injuries, like how do you address that? Like you want to keep supporting the sport, but you don't want to keep supporting something that, you know, turns young men into kind of 40-year-old geriatrics. Well, it's not compulsory. So that's... The first thing that we're going to, like, is, as long as it's always a 
thing where people know the risks. No, I think we should go to prisons and take uh, <laughs> people who are in prison and force them to play football for our amusement. Well, so uh, sorry, you've skipped ahead, Charlie. What I'm saying is it's not compulsory now. Yeah. But if we ever get to the point where we discover that, we'll have to make it compulsory. <laughs> and I say start with the prisons. You're right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, not going to be much change for Port Adelaide and Collingwood supporters, <laughs> but come on, pal. Bang, take, take that, that, Sam Powell. Sam Powell, Pepper. <laughs> Sam Powell, Pepper. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, well, what, what do you think about the Saints in general? How did you feel about uh, Like, we should talk about that. Yeah. Uh, do we have to? I mean, look, I don't know. I'm well, kind just of briefly. I, I, think, I like, think I've gone, I'm going through the seven stages of grief and now I'm at acceptance. <laughs> Where I'm just like, okay. I mean, in a rebuild... Did you hear... Okay, I'll tell you this, Charlie. Yeah. Did you hear the latest Paddy McCartan news? No. Okay, so after the game, he's gone out to um, uh, get his car and someone had stolen his car. <laughs> he gets home. Someone's robbed his house. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> oh, my God. It's that kind of year for the Saints. Like, we walked under a ladder... By the way, they think they, by the way, they think they're separate incidents, which is how much of a bad year are you having? But seriously, when, like, your car's been stolen and your house has been robbed, and they're separate interest, incidents. Well, like within four weeks, we've lost our virtually our entire forward line. Josh Bruce is out six weeks. Uh, Tim Membry indefinite. Uh, Dylan Robertson. Why has, is Josh Bruce out? He's touring with Xavier Rudd, right? Yeah, that's right. I think Josh Bruce has cut his hair. I'm not sure. I was just looking on Instagram trying to get confirmation. But I know we, uh, we're fascinated by haircuts on, on this show. And I'm wondering if maybe Josh Bruce, maybe the haircut, that's why he's had to take six weeks off. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like, is there a chance that Bontempelli's hair's changed his game? Yeah, right. Maybe he needs to go back to the... Because he's got this slick, he's, his hair's like yours now, isn't it? He's got that cool kind of shaved sides, long on top. Look, I did mention that to him on the radio. We had him on the radio and I said, I asked him about his hair and I said, look, you know, you, you're sporting what could only be described as a, a Will Anderson look. <laughs> and he said, he said to me something like, he said, well, you know, Will, I've always been a great admirer of yours, but it was not what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, grow your hair back then. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Like, I mean, I, 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 I think that haircuts do have a, a huge impact on a, on a player's uh, on-field form. Certainly uh, on our appreciation of their on-field form. Yeah, but uh, so Josh Bruce is out for six weeks. Then that happens to Dylan Robertson, And you just think, well, I mean, that's what I mean. I'm at the stage of acceptance. It's like in a rebuild period, when you know you're in a rebuild, it's kind of fine. You can tune in and you're just watching for the kids or you're just, you know, you, you're finding other things to enjoy in a game. But, you know, the last couple of years, I've thought that we were maybe going to challenge for finals or whatever. And now I'm just like, I, I just, I'm just kind of numb to it. Like I actually, you turned me on to a concept I was not familiar with, which is you don't have to watch the game. <laughs> like you can actually turn it off at any point. I don't know if it's the Catholic in me or whatever, but I used to sit and endure like thumpings just because I felt like, well, this is what I have to do. Like I need to let the boy watch. He needs to learn. <laughs> <laughs> But during the Geelong game, at like getting near halftime, I was like, fuck this shit. Like, it's fucking 2 a.m. in another country. Like, I'm going to go to sleep. And then I kind of couldn't sleep. And I was like, I'll just check the score. 
and I'd seen we kicked a, kick, kick, kicked a couple of goals, you know, now it was only like a 24-point margin. I was like, oh, and they got me back in. Oh, <laughs> and, then I watched no. like, and then I watched like another half hour of it, and I'm like, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Went to sleep at 3 a.m., grinding my teeth. Not for, the good, not for the good reasons I used to grind my teeth at 3 a.m. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, it's really – I mean, I think the interesting part for me now is I'm – I'm already doing the autopsy. I'm trying to, uh, but do the autopsy not from media commentators, but from the club. Like I'm trying to consume as much as I can from Richo's statements and stuff and just trying to analyze what's going on because the thing I noticed in the game, and you know, this has been picked up by other media outlets, is that all statistically we were actually fine in that game, contested possessions and stuff. But where we're just terrible is uh, uh, kicking efficiency and, um, and kicking for goal. And what we seem to do every time we got the ball is we'd push players up to the stoppage, obviously because we're trying to limit the influence of Dangerfield and Kelly and, and, and Selwood. So we'd push numbers up to the ball and then we'd win the contested ball and we'd have no one to kick to. So we'd just boot it long down the line where Paddy McCartan's you know, fighting against three cats. And I just, I don't know if that's like, I mean, is that bad coaching or is that just when you've got shit players, you have to kind of gather around the stoppage or you have to kind of like rob Peter to pay Paul? I just, I don't know. And Richo didn't really enlighten me any further. He was just sort of saying that, well... The, well, the, the, prob- the problem is you're having such a bad season that um, in the car park afterwards, Paddy McCartan actually got in a fight with three actual cats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they robbed Paddy to pay Paul, yeah. which was... <laughs> Well, that's uh, also one of Richardson's favourite phrases as well, to rob Peter to pay Paul. Paddy, did you rob Peter oh, to pay Paul? <laughs> but, nah, yeah, nah, nah, yeah, nah. It was, uh, it was disappointing. It was disappointing. Certainly not where we'd like to be. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the rich line. Like, you know, the players are hurting, uh, the, the supporters are hurting, and we're hurting just as bad. But, you know, talk is cheap, and, and we'll just work it out on the track. It's like, I don't fucking know you can work this out on the track. I think... We've got so many players out of form and I wish it was like a Bulldogs thing where we could flick a switch and, you know, this week come out. But I just, we've not, never been that kind of team. Even when we were playing well, even when we beat GWS last year, it, was, it yeah. was not through slick ball movement and high skills and high risk. It was just through the grind. And, and I just don't know that the players are up for it. Not only that, but, you know, we're, we're, missing, we're missing our forward line and, and we're missing two of the, the best leaders we've ever had at the club in the last 20 years. So, I don't know, Will. I don't know how I feel about football anymore. Uh, well, I know how you feel about it at the moment, <laughs> but I can understand it. I mean, I've said it before on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again. Saints back to Seaford. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that was interesting at the uh, Saints-Geelong game, I noticed, is before the game, we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about how uh, Colin would play Metallica, but not the right Metallica song. While Geelong yeah. play the right Metallica song. They play Enter Sandman before their games. So, hang on. Two AFL clubs are playing Metallica, Metallica songs. Yeah. One's a ballad. The other one's like a rock track. I still believe they should bring back Cat Attack. I still want them to play Cat Attack. Or Love Cats by The Cure. Love Cats. Exactly. We were fine with Love Cats. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... That was about all. I, I, I wrote down some things about the, week, uh, the weekend's games and next to Geelong St Kilda, I've written Enter Sandman. <laughs> that was my only <laughs> note. <laughs> like nothing to do with the football at all. My interest in that game ended once the game started. <laughs> Did you see any of um, Free OGWS? 
Uh, I didn't. No, no, I didn't say any of that. So sorry to our Fremantle supporter who complains about the fact that we never talk about Fremantle. Well, guess what? Nat Fife is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the usuals, Hayden Ballantyne, he's back. That seems to be going well for them. The um, interesting thing about that game was uh, it was up in Sydney and there was this crazy tricky breeze. Like it was like an old school uh, country football breeze where you had to aim at like the far point post to get it to go for the goals. And no one could nail it. Like there was, it, you could probably cut together. I'm sure they they did on 360 or something. Cut together all the misses or all the shots at goal that just went like left, right, and all over the place. But cometh the hour, cometh the man, will, and there is Nat Fife, 40 out on a tough angle, just puts the ball perfectly into the spot for the wind to carry it straight through the middle of the goal sticks. And it's like, Frio supporters, you can't complain about us talking about your best player because he is your best player. <laughs> yeah it is very much going look you know why are you always talking about justin timberlake and not the rest of Insync? yeah and i think you'll find the answer to your question is in your question <laughs> although michael walters is also really good like i think it is he's definitely one of those kind of small forwards or one of those players who suffers from the if he was playing for a collingwood or whatever He'd be a superstar. For a mid-sized forward, he's incredible. He's so skillful and quick and can go through the midfield. Like, he's actually, he's a gun as well. There you go. There's another player who's a gun. A Griffin blade, I believe, for the yes. first time in a long time. Well, that's my other note that I've written down. <laughs> What's his hair like? Because I didn't see any of this game because, like, Callan Ward's had a haircut. I reckon GWS have gone a little less man bunny this uh Season is is Griffin still yeah, rocking his I, usual sort of hair, or yeah, has he gone in a new direction? I, I, well, I didn't notice it as being any different. It's just that normal okay. floppy kind of, you know, not short, yeah. not long. Well, it's definitely not like he hasn't gone the G, full GWS. But um, forgot about Griff. Like nowadays, everybody want to talk, but they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move the lips. Just a bunch of gibberish, and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Griff. Like you, they played that yeah. before GWS games. <laughs> and before GWS, we're playing Forgot About Dre. <laughs> because I guess in the wash-up of the Bulldogs winning the flag and him having some injury problems and stuff, like he was your best player when he left. Yeah. Yeah, Callum Ward and Ryan Griffin were both our best players when they went to GWS. So, um, they're, And they're both... Well, yeah, but Griffin's been out for, I, think, I mean, a year, felt, felt I like he, I felt like he didn't play last year at all, right? I think yeah. he, he kind of staggered through 2016 and then didn't play last year at all. And how yeah, old would so he I'm, be now? Uh, I don't know. I have absolutely no. I'm going to say 31. I'm going to say 30. Look it up, Michael. Ryan Griffin. How old is he? Not the director, the footballer. Yeah, GWS, formerly of the Bulldogs. And so if him and Delidio can stay fit. 31. Look at that. Oh, well done. If him and uh, Delidio can stay fit, and on the field, that's uh, that's a good sign for GWS because they've got some injury problems again. That's the other crazy thing about GWS. Like, if you're a supporter, I mean, that is like having... You've got Jay Leno's garage there. You've got every fucking beautiful, finely tuned performance vehicle in your garage. But half of them are in the shops, mate. <laughs> you can't even drive no. them. <laughs> yeah, it's not a practical everyday car, is it? A lot of your GWS is very much your your weekend. It's Cameron's dad's car from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know. Yeah. It sits up on some blocks, but it turns out, you know, like, yeah, it, it's... Um, or, it or, or, or it's more like problems. the Fast and the Furious, where right. for no apparent reason, on a mission, a secret mission in like Bulgaria or something, they sent like a 1960 like Aston Martin. It's like, well, it's a good looking car, but... 
It's not going to be practical in this situation. Uh, all of Leon Cameron's speeches, pre-game addresses, are actually ripped from Vin Diesel's dialogue in the Fast <laughs> and the Furious movies. Yeah. So pretty much every week it's like, it's about family. <laughs> did you see any of uh, North Carlton? I did see a little bit of that. Okay. This might fall into the um, our reviews of Fremantle, but I'm going to give it a go. Hmm. Which is Let me guess. Brown yeah. is very good. <laughs> Yeah, he's taken time out playing the lead role in Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> he is. I mean, they have got, I think the thing that people underestimated about North Melbourne, and we actually have been on this Ben Brown thing for a while. We've, we like um, him. But he is a genuine, like in that kind of, is he an A grader? I'd say he's probably an A grader now. Let me float my theory past you. Ben Brown is Victoria's JJK. I like it. I like it. Tell me more. Is there more to that theory or is that just it? Well, likeable. Yep. Distinctive 70s look. Yep. Power forward. Not really a complicated footballer, but just does the simple things really well. Kick and mark. You know what, Charlie? And I think we may have uh, discovered what's going wrong with Adelaide. (laughs) Because I feel like that's what Texas natural kind yeah, of identity 100%. Is. Do you remember that Tex Walker? Yeah. The Tex cheeky. Walker when he was Ben Brown, when he was JJK, when he was like, he, he, now he has all this kind of extra responsibility. He has to be the captain and the leader. And I, I don't think it's his, like while he can do it, well, hang on. I actually think I liked him more as a JJK, a Ben Brown type character. I, so I don't know he ever was a JJK Ben Brown because he was more of a, he was always intimidating. He was more of your John O'Brown type power forward. The thing that I like about JJK and, and Ben Brown is they feel like the kind of guys I'd like to hang out with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not, no offense Tex, but I think you're a bit too alpha for me. Like I, what I like about Ben Brown and JJK is like they, they seem to like playing football, but it's not the be all and end all. You know, they're very good at what they do, but they seem to have lives outside of it. They seem to have a good sense of humor. And there is just something about, they look funny. They're funny looking athletes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like about them. Like I'm, I honestly... I know I've said this joke a number of times, but he honestly looks like he's out of Jesus Christ Superstar. He should be wearing like different colored Converse and like jeans with no shirt and multicolored like rainbow braces. But he's also got a little bit of that, you know, still, you know, newborn baby giraffe learning to run about him as well. Yeah. Which I just, it all combines into this. He's kind of got this like sideshow Bob meets lead singer of Jesus Christ Superstar meets newborn giraffe. But he does, he has that, he has that sort of Joe Danner. See, I'd, I'd put Joe Danaher in that same kind of category. Like, yeah. goofy. I mean, is that too harsh a term to use? Like, it's kind of a goofy, goofy kind of lovable footballer. Yeah, and I like that sort of player. Me too. I, 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 it really makes me enjoy football. And so Higgins has been really good for North Melbourne. Oh, look, I mean, if you're a North Melbourne fan, I think that you're having... North Melbourne fans, I reckon, are having the opposite experience to what you're having. Yes. Everyone thought that North Melbourne was going to be St Kilda. Yeah. And North Melbourne have been a, like, a bit better than that. And, yeah, vice versa, I reckon. Yeah, and it was only a couple of years ago that they, they went on a streak, Will. <laughs> they won, like, 10 in a row or whatever. And all those players, like Jared Waite and, and Zeeble and stuff, are still playing good footy. Like, I think Zeeble's actually pretty underrated. He's another guy who, you know, mid-forward, who when he's one-on-one in the forward line, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Like, he's super strong. He's a great kick for goal. And, you know, he's a leader. That's, and that's kind of... He's even North Melbourne have a player like that 
that we don't have. Like, I don't know who our dynamic guy is that we throw forward to turn the game around or to, you know, give them a matchup problem. Like, we don't have that. But North have got that, and they've got some good young kids coming through as well. The other thing I was thinking is North need to be the underdogs. It was an uncomfortable position for them to be 10-zip or whatever the fuck it was because we don't see North like that. That is not their natural habitat. North are the shin boners, Will. <laughs> They're the shin boners. That's what we like about them. They should always, every season, they should be written off. So they can come back and just through sheer grit, determination, a little bit of shin boner spirit, like win the games. Because that, when you see them, I mean, look, I know Carlton weren't much chop. Well, just, I think also, Charlie, when it comes to shin boner spirit, shin yeah. boner spirit is something that should be enjoyed in small quantities. Yes. You know, it's not something that, you know, you should be having an open bar of shin boner spirit. And I feel like when they're 10 zip, that's your shin boner spirit for all open bar. And you, you know what? That's too much shin boner spirit. It's yeah. something you're meant to just have a little, a little sniff of. A little, a little, a little whifter. And, and also like shin boner spirit, shin boner spirit doesn't come as a premium top shelf spirit. Shin boner spirit, you know, it's cheap. You know, you have, you're not after you knock off at work, you have a little shot of shin bone spirit, you know? It's like going into McDonald's and they've got like a fancy, you know, ooh-la-la menu. And it's like, this is McDonald's. Like, make cheap, shitty burgers. That's what you're good at. And I think that's what, that's what the, the kangaroo should just stick to is low expectations. <laughs> just everything yeah. is always low expectations and they'll win a bunch more games. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, good on North Melbourne. Excited to see that they're, you know, a bit more competitive. What about uh, Carlton? <sighs> tough, tough times mm. in the Blues at the moment. And is Brendan Bolton losing weight every week? Like, he's so skinny now. I'm worried about him. He's he's getting to jockey size. Yeah, well, that's uh, he's at the, he's going to. Was <laughs> <laughs> that the next plan? He's going to ride Charlie Kernow onto the field. <laughs> Well, he feels like they need some more instructions. So his newest plan is that he will actually be... That's how he's going to get Wiedering back into form. He's going to strap himself in a baby Bjorn to Jacob Wiedering and instruct him on which positions to run into. Well, maybe it's because Carlton have had their financial troubles over the last couple of years. And it's like, well, look, Brendan, we can't actually afford to get in the coach's box. Can you just pretend you're a kid? We'll, we'll get you in for the under-12 price. Brendan Bolton wants to run out in front of the other players and burst through the banner. He's going to be carried out in people's 200s. Well, you know how a couple of years ago we were asking what do players take to the game in their bag? Well, yep. it turns out that Matthew Cruiser just puts Brendan Bolton in the bag and sneaks him in. It'd be great if one of the runners went out with a message to Levi Casbold. He goes, Brendan wants to tell you something. He just opens his jacket and he's there in his pocket. I think it would be great if we could like write a sitcom where you've got Stewie Dew and Brendan Bolton. Like Maybe they move into an apartment together. <laughs> Bit of Laurel and Hardy dynamic going on there. Speaking of disappointing teams, our favourite team that hasn't won a game this year, the Brisbane Lions. Mm. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. That was a game that I was going to watch. And then after the first quarter, I was like, oh man, I feel bad. Like it was clearly a game in which a bunch of young kids had been really giving it a go for three weeks. Mm. They almost had a, a, an upset win last week and then they just didn't bring it against Ooh. the Premiers. <laughs> boy. Oh boy! Yeah, oh boy! It, that was no good. Yeah, that was like uh, after last week when I was 
because I've watched a bit of Brisbane this season and I was like you. I was like, oh, this might be a really good game. I might tune in and watch this. Mm. And then I saw the... I think I tipped him. <sighs> Did I tip him? I might have tipped him. I, I mean, that's how bullish we were about them. We've been, we've been very kind. <laughs> but fuck, man. Like that was, that was reminiscent of, you know, every junior footy club, there's always one team in your competition that can't get the numbers each week. You know, they, they ask if you can drop them and play 16 aside or whatever it is. And you win by like 40 goals. <laughs> and that's what it looked like. Like Dustin Martin was just prowling that ground with absolute freedom like he just was trying stuff like even his, his was it six goals he kicked yeah well he was going so well and uh, the lions were going so badly that at halftime dimmer actually offered to fagan that um that he could play dustin martin could play swap for jumpers the, <laughs> swap jumpers and play for them for the second half but there was a, i think it was his last goal it was one as whatever goal he where he's streaming in and he literally did that thing which really good players do in junior footy when they've had a growth spurt when he ran into the goal there was a player in his way he just like did the 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 lamest shimmy held the ball out one way the guy went for it and then he just walked into position (laughs) stopped and kicked the goal like didn't even keep running just i'll stop and kick it just make it easier oh man i mean i think you can forgive brisbane and i don't know if it really damages if there's too much damage there because we all understand they're a young side but psychologically like what that does for those those young players. And well, Hodgie too. Like that's going to be the think, first time Hodgie's ever been on the end of an absolute belting. Well, they, they were talking about it this week, which was like that um, Hodgie's been that team, the unbeatable premiership team coming up against a little minnow and just mowing them. Because, you know, I heard it quoted somewhere this week uh, that, you know, Lee Matthews said that, uh, yeah, when you're the premiership team, there's kind of six weeks where you're definitely the best team in the competition and he means like you know kind of the six weeks afterwards where people think that you're just invincible and you feel like you're invincible Mm. and I think that that that's what Richmond were like that was just an example of the best team in the competition feeling like they're the best team in the competition still yeah and having an opportunity to do a sort of you know that was your Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals like you know, the Brisbane Lions were witches' hats so that Richmond could just all, you know, demonstrate their best possible skills. Yeah. There's no hangover, is there? I mean, there doesn't seem to be. They look just I mean, as look, hungry as ever. I think they look good. They look really good, Richmond. You never know. We're four rounds in. The Bulldogs looked okay at this point last year. Did you? Yeah, we won five of the first six or something right. last year. So, you know, like, I mean, you got to, that would have been the story that was around the Bulldogs was that we were going okay. Mm. Um, so they could still fuck up, you know, but they don't look like they're going to. And the the big question mark was always going to be over them. How did Dusty come back? If Dusty came back, like, you know, he had the greatest season of all time last year. He went away to, you know, we all saw the video footage of him away overseas. You know, if he'd come back, you know, partied out. Yeah. And then, then maybe there was a chance that Richmond's fortunes would reflect that. But yeah. he looks, I mean, he looks good. There's a story. He looks like he enjoys the lifestyle that his football has afforded him, yeah. and he understands that if he keeps playing good football, he'll be able to have more of that lifestyle. There's a story that uh, you told me about Dustin Martin, which we can't repeat on the air. Which can't. we cannot uh, repeat on the air. I think if that was the secret to his success, <laughs> then maybe he's he's bumping that up. Maybe he's doubled, du- doubling down on that routine. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of those guys who really looks forward to the routine of the football season. <laughs> oh, midweek recovery, amazing. <laughs> uh, what about the Bombers? Good. 
playing in their right positions. They were good. Jakey Stringer up forward. And uh, hooker down back. Yeah. It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, the Bulldogs are a bit like this as well. Like, it, you know, we were experimenting with Eastern Wood down forward and all these sort of things. But you see, when he went back and played on Buddy, you know, uh, he's a great player, Eastern Wood. And he had mm. 20, yeah, Buddy had 20 kilograms on him. And you, Wood just has that kind of talent and ability and capacity. And it's gone. I'm sorry. I was, just, I was also going to say, like, Eastern Wood, I think he's underrated in the hunk stakes like i was watching him going like he's a given alex rance a run for his money in terms of not just like a handsome man but also that devil may care leave your man to support a teammate go back with a flight of the ball it's like he's kind of alex rance light you know what i mean it's like yeah he doesn't wear it like rance though yeah he wears it in a very much like one of those guys who doesn't know that he's like you know yeah. Very much, he's like kind of your Clark he's, Kent super. He's uncomfortable when GQ put him on the cover or, or Who magazine named him like the sexiest people. He doesn't, he doesn't like that. No, he doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah he keeps, he's like, oh, well, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex Rance is a bit like that. Alex Rance does, plays it down, doesn't he? No, I think Alex Rance wears it with the sort of debonair sort of attitude of a sort of 1930s Hollywood movie, movie star with a flick of his hair. Yeah. yeah, you know, just the quiet confidence. Yeah, not not arrogance, just quiet confidence. You know, very much. You know, the way that Alex Rance strikes me is a bit like um, Carrie Elwes's character in The Princess Bride right, right, in right. that scene when they're fighting on the uh, and and he goes, and I am not left-handed. Yeah, you know, that that moment, that that's Alex Rance to me. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off. Oh, so um, Stringer definitely is best down forward. The idea that he was going to be a midfielder of some kind has been proved to be as ridiculous as it always was. Mm. Um, and hook it down back. It's his, and his look, like we've talked about the tattoos and the haircut and stuff now. Like He's turning into a future, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here contestant, isn't he? Like that's, that's what it feels like he's angling for. Oh, yeah. And when you say future, you mean in the off-season, right? I think that's <laughs> where his pre-season is going to be, in the South African jungle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is... I don't know what this romper stomper look that he's going for is, but it not, it's, it's not a, flattering to it's, him. It's a weird. It's kind of like Eminem meets Hando from Romper Stomper meets Gold Coast real estate agent. Like, there's really just a lot to go on there. I mean, was this was this happening at the Bulldogs, and that's why they got rid of him, and then he just exploded into whatever he is now, or was it the move from the Bulldogs triggered this makeover? No, I think it was already happening. Right. But, but you know, he was in a steady relationship where the other partner wasn't really into that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now he's like a guy who's come out of the relationship and, you know, he's able to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. It's, but he's still... It's like when Harris, the problem is he's... It's like when Harrison Ford got his first earring at 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is, I reckon, with Stringer is... That because he started everything so young, you know, he had a young family and he's... Because he's only still, what, 24 or something, yeah. right? But he feels like he's lived this whole life. He's got a couple of kids. He's, you know, been through one, you know, failed relationship. He's had all these troubles. He's sort of had to move to a new club. You know, all this sort of stuff just feels like he should be getting his first tattoo and he's getting like, you know... And so I guess the thing is like, you know, sometimes if people come out of... Um, a, yeah, a relationship in their 40s mm. or, you know, get Harrison Ford style, get your earring in your 50s. It's because they've had a couple of kids, they've yeah. paid the mortgage and, you yeah, know, suddenly they want to be a different person. He's only 24. 
So he's decorating his body like a fucking teenager would decorate their bedroom. Yeah. You know, there's a picture of a girl in a bikini. Yeah. There's like a, a picture of a truck. <laughs> he just doesn't quite know what his like, idea is yet. So he's just jamming all these things together and they don't work. That's a good point, actually. I didn't think of that. It, it is like he had a family young. So he's, he, he had to grow up quick. And so he hasn't, well, not grow up quick, but he had to take responsibility quick. So he has quick, never really yeah. had a chance to be like that young single guy getting paid big money to play in front of thousands of people. Right. Well, I, I think, unfortunately, for the state of his marriage, he did take advantage of some <laughs> of that time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, you're right. Like, I, I do think that part of it is that. Like, he's kind of had this accelerated life of, mm. you know... And I think that must be incredibly hard. I mean, you always forget, we talked about earlier this idea that, um, you know, these are young men putting their body on the line for us. Um, so, so okay, so he's 24 Three. in a week from today. Yeah. We'll send him a case. So <laughs> imagine all the dumb shit we were doing at 23, 24, right? Yeah. And then suddenly put on top of that the eyes of the world on you and the fact that you have two kids mm. and the fact that you're trying to, like, you know, play AFL football. Like, I mean... But how do you have... Like, I can understand having one kid <laughs> young and that's a mistake. How do you have two kids as a mistake? Like... Didn't you learn after the first one? Well, I'm not sure it was a mistake at the time. I think they thought it was like a good idea. All right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was like a, an accident. I think they were into the idea oh, of having a couple of We can't figure this out. So when my penis goes in your vagina, <laughs> baby comes out nine months later. Oh, well, maybe it's a coincidence. Let's do it again. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to Bevo about this. I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> maybe that's the fucking straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, Bevo... I put my penis in my wife and then a baby comes out. What's going on? All right, mate, we, uh, we're going to move your contract on. <laughs> Thank you for the premiership. Thank you for playing with the Bulldogs. But uh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Ds. Now, look, we've been hard on the Ds. And I know there's a few listeners out there who have gotten in contact who are like, come on, guys, we've suffered enough. Can you just ease up on the D bashing? And our answer is, no. <laughs> no, you know what? I know that you you actually are enjoying this a bit more than me. I, I feel a bit bad. I, I mean, I just... I don't. I love it. <laughs> do you really? I do. Do you feel any sympathy for them? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because of Tom Bug? Is it just the Tom Bug of it all? I mean, it's some of it. Yeah. Definitely the Tom Bug of it is something. But and the Clayton the Oliver at all. The Tom Bugness of their list is what... No, you know why? Look, I mean, of course, there are plenty of things to love about Melbourne. And I think part of it is also because I think at the end of this, there will be some joy out of it. I'm getting joy out of it because I imagine at some stage that these these guys, Richmond-like, will get it together and actually achieve something together. Mm. So the bit when they're not doing it is giving me some joy because... I, I think there's going to be some really good times for them in the future. And yeah. we might as well enjoy these times when it's not going well. Because much like Richmondy, we don't know what we have until it's gone. Yeah. We're like the main girls at high school who are bullying that classmate who's really tall. Because we know once she leaves high school, she's going to get scouted by a modeling agency. So we're right. like, let's bring her down a peg or two before that happens. Yeah, I think that is definitely my Melbourne thing. They have so much talent on their list that you can't imagine that they will... Yeah, you know, stay down here forever. But you would be worried about what's going on there at the moment. Well, 
Hawthorne are a good side. I mean, as much as it makes me want to vomit. How good are they? Is that a question they, or, or is... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think they are definitely finals bound. Like, they, I reckon they'll make the finals this year. I don't know that they can win the flag. What, you don't think so? Oh, just, it's just a crazy idea. Oh, it is. It's horrible. <laughs> it's just, it makes me sick. And, you know, the fact that Alistair Clarkson is so good at his job <laughs> and has never used the term pleasing or positive once. Yet he every day sees things that are pleasing and positive. It's crazy. <laughs> How can he avoid using those words? Oh Everything God. in his life is pleasing and positive. I mean, if we get Paul Puapolo down at St Kilda, Richard will lose his fucking mind. <laughs> uh, we've recruited a couple of new players, Sam Palpepper and Paul Puapolo. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, they're just good. I mean, I think that the alarming thing about that loss is just how old Melbourne it is. That's the Melbourne that we... It's the psychological aspect that you have to worry about because we all acknowledge that the talent they have, but it's the mental toughness. Like, it's are you going to... It's the same shit that St Kilda deals with, you know? Like, we are chronic underachievers and no one ever expects success for us. And so, as much as you can change the board and the players and the administration and everything, is the culture of the club so toxic that when you bring that new group in, it affects them. They don't have that pride in the jumper like a Hawthorne or a Geelong or a... I was going to say Carlton, but who am I kidding? <laughs> you know, what? I, I did think it was a mistake for the Demons to play uh, Britney Spears' Toxic as their... <laughs> <laughs> opening music at the games um, look I just think I mean it is hard to tell isn't it I mean Hawthorne you just kind of think with Hawthorne you're like ah oh, you know what like it'll this is good but they they won't continue to be this good they're, they're a 10th to yeah they're an 8th to 12th team not a sort of you know Hawthorne you know, well this is what I keep thinking yeah. but then the evidence keeps coming along that Perhaps I'm absolutely wrong about that. Well, I'm thinking, I think, because that's where they should be. Yeah. That's where in their rebuild they should be. But instead it turns out that they have one-year rebuilds and then go back to being fucking finals. Well, steps. I think what we kind of miss, what we underestimated <sighs> is that when they were at their peak, their top level was so, their top level players were so elite that that second layer like they were being kept down and they were just role players. Now that top layer has been cleaned out and those role players are now they're elite. And it's like, oh yeah, fucking Isaac Smith is a really good player. Like when given license to be the man, he's fucking awesome. And they've got like Gunston still there and Bruce. They've got all these really good players who had to take a backseat to the Buddies and the Ruffies and the Hodgies and Mitchell and all these kind of players. But now it's like, you've just been incubating. Like, yeah. It's, it's like a shark. You know what it's like? It's They've like got multiple the, rows like, of teeth. <laughs> they lose one, another one just fucking rolls in there. Yeah, I think watching Hawthorne is like listening to the first Foo Fighters album. Mm. You're like, oh, fuck, Dave Grohl can sing and play guitar as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's almost one of those things where it's just, you can't hate them. Like you just, it's almost, they're, they're, they're oh. omnipotent. Hawthorne. Hawthorne and success are just a constant. And it's just like, you might as well be angry at the sky being blue. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I mean, and what they show is that thing where, like Clarkson, you just got to, like, talk about, you know, balls on the wall. I mean, to get rid of those champion players and to make that big call to bring in Mitchell and O'Meara. And now you've just got to be looking at that going, what a genius. Mm. Like, he is... 
essentially rebuilt that team by that move, you know, more than anything. Like, that's what they needed. They needed a next-generation midfield. They still had... He recognised, obviously, that they still had enough other stuff around it that if they just kind of replaced, you know, their midfield with a midfield that could go forward for five years. Mm. And he's done it. And he's that, fucking done it. Well, that, <laughs> that, that same friend of ours, the doctor, had an inside word at... Um, inside line at Hawthorne. And we've talked about this before. And he said the, the O'Meara... The drafting of O'Meara was a gamble, but they weighed it up because they're like, you know, a 75% O'Meara is still going to be better than, you know, most teams' top-line players. And looks like they were right. <laughs> Motherfuckers, yeah. looks like they were right. Um, yeah, and then that idea that you, you saw it on the weekend, which was, you know, that like Mitchell doesn't need to get 50. In fact, in some ways it's better if they've if Mitchell's getting attention – like, you know, taking out one of their midfielders and still manages to get 25, it just clearly opens it up for, you know, players like O'Meara to step up and, mm. you know, start to really dominate. And I think Hawthorne are probably better with that combination of it. If you could get, like, you know, O'Meara and Mitchell to kind of have around the similar levels of possessions, but, like, Mitchell's getting those hard contested balls and O'Meara's doing his All thing. The Suddenly that Hawthorne midfield is just Humming. dynamic again. And they've got, like, a really good Ruckman... <clears throat> who was a Saints player at one stage. <laughs> Fucking yeah. let's not talk about it. Uh, well, the last game was uh, West, Coast, West Coast versus uh, Gold Coast. Um, it was uh, Mark Lacroix's 200th game, uh, our guest from last week, Mark Lacroix. Mm. Who, it was uh, good to have him on the show. I, uh, there was a lot of press around him on the weekend before the game. And um, one of, I can't remember which of his teammates said that after that game where he kicked 12 goals, he asked that his teammates refer to him as Mark Dozen. <laughs> <laughs> makes me like I him like the even I- more I-, I was gonna say i like the idea of him branding everything like that uh could you grab me my mark la boots <laughs> uh i've got to go to the mark la car west coast are good man i've got written down in my notes a big love heart west around around west coast and i've written a note to myself i think i like west coast <laughs> question mark <laughs> It's true though. I really like how I really the fucking permatan, the way they play. They've got their their top players are some of the most exciting going around. They've got themselves a fucking Rioli. Everyone should get a Rioli. That's that should be the Oprah <laughs> thing. You get a Rioli. You get a Rioli. That that family, whatever the bloodline is, they are all dynamic, exciting, wonderful players to watch. We should just clone them, put into a cloning program, and everyone gets a Rioli. That should be the the starting block. It'd be great if that was part of the new package that the AFL came out with at the end of the year. He goes, look, we got some extra money from the government for stadiums, mm. but we've also put a little bit into a Rioli breeding program <laughs> uh, and uh, everyone gets a Rioli. So who is, what would be the most, would they, they'd have to be one of the most prolific football families, or, or I don't know what the word is. Like you've got Danaher's, right? Selwoods, yeah. Rioli's. What name me a, a, another family that is like th- that widespread influence over generations? Because you've got you, uh, you got you got a, you've got a Rioli at West Coast, a Rioli at Richmond, a yes. Rioli at Hawthorne. Yes. Then you got two, those two Riolis before that, right? Morris yes. and there was another Rioli I can't remember. But that's got to be one of the apart from the Selwoods because you had a Selwood at West Coast, a Selwood at Geelong, and there was another one, wasn't there? Was there three Selwoods? Yeah. Yeah, there was three Selwoods. At three different Scott, clubs? Joel and... Uh, Harpo. Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like the Hemsworths where you're like, Liam, Chris and... 
The one on Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, obviously they haven't had the widespread thing, but you've got you know two of the two of the top five greatest players of all time were both called Gary Ablett. Mm. So uh, there's then uh, oh, Adam, Joel, Scott, and Troy. There's four. Yeah. But I think the thing with the Riolis is that's multi-generational. And the Danaher's, like if Joe's got some brothers, yeah. I don't know. But if they, they would probably be the next most prolific like football family out there. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, then you got to look at the grand... Because now you've got grandfathers and grandsons. Like, you know, you've got people who are playing at, you know, clubs and whatever. I mean, Richards, who plays at the Bulldogs, is Lou, Lou Richards' grandson. grandson. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's... I mean, this. I was saying this actually the other day. I was talking to... Um, someone at the radio station about how much I love that aspect of the game. To me, in fact, it's one of the things where I can't imagine there's any other sports around the world that have the... I think it's the nature of the fact that we're a small country but also an Indigenous sport. But I also think it's because the sport is hard to play. Like, I mean, Luke Darcy, who I work with, his dad played for the Bulldogs. And I think that part of the reason often that the you know, football is a good when in the bloodline is partly genetics, but partly because you have a coach at home from when you're yeah. young who can kind of teach you about, you know, the game a little bit, but I don't think there'd be a sport in the world that's had more father sons or more family connections than our game. Like it's quite common. We take it for granted that you go, who are the kids? Yeah. Like as soon as one of your champions has kids, you're like, I mean, the Silvani's, uh, the Silvani's at Carlton. Yeah. There's a good example, right? There's, yeah. And you know, it's one of those things. Surge. Where you're just like, Serge, Steve, Steve, and now Jack. So it's one of those things where I, the, 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 I love the family connection in our game. I think it's fantastic. Well, if Chris Hemsworth's dad had stuck it out at the Bulldogs, you might have had the best-looking centre-half forward in the game. <laughs> Fuck Alex Rance. I mean, could you imagine Alex Rance on Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. The women in the crowd would suddenly just get impregnated just from watching that contest. I just think all the other players would just kick it to them so that they could just see them contest against yeah, each other. <laughs> exactly. Every woman walks out of that game pregnant. And Jake Stringer's like, oh, that's how that happens. <laughs> JJK was back, kicked a lazy fucking five goals. Just another day yeah, out. Yeah, they've been going well without him and he, they still go well with him, which was, that was my one fear. I was starting to get the fear that going, what if... Like, because, you know, he is the, uh, yeah, in some ways he's still their best player. You know, he might well still be the best forward in the league when he's, you know, playing consistently. Mm. But what if West Coast are better without him? What there if, was a little bit of me. Who would have thought a world where Jack Darling pushes out jo- Josh Kennedy? <laughs> right. But nah, nah, there's room for JJK back. So that's, that. I was, I was, re- this is the, this is how much West Coast have got me, Charlie. Mm. That was good news to me. I was like, oh, I'm so glad that they're better. I think part of it's the Nick Nack Nick yes, effect. Definitely. I think it's all of it. Like, we talked about it last week. They've just yeah. they they seem to have uh, 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 I mean we said they had no dickheads and then we had a lot of West Coast uh, uh, people telling them they've still got Chris Maston. So yeah. <laughs> apparently they're not entirely eradicated the no, dickhead no. factor. But I think uh, all, that, but, came, that came uh, very uh, immediately as feedback from the podcast from a lot of West Coast supporters, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. But uh they're good players. They're guns. They're poster boys. They're all likable dudes. Like they're all kind. They 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 seem to be dudes that you would like to hang out with. And I just like the way they play football. And I was listening to another podcast uh, the other day where they reminded me West Coast won a final last year, and they didn't even have like half those dudes back in the side. So 
I mean, they could be. We may, we may be regretting our boosting of West Coast in this first part of the season if they like barnstorm into the finals and make a grand final. Which fucking who knows? Like, you play all your finals at home. Who knows? But I mean, yeah, that they could definitely, they could definitely do well. I would have thought. I like your West Coast. I don't want to see you win a flag, not just yet. And also, hey, Melbourne supporters, Adelaide supporters, all you guys who are upset about us ragging on you, you remember us with West Coast last year? We dumped on them every week, and now we love them. So just be patient. It's classic, uh, you know, abusive. 80s. <laughs> no, <laughs> abusive behaviour. No, no, I was going to say it's more you sort of when Harry met Sally, or you know, you're sort of. 80s 90s trope for a romantic comedy like yeah. we hate each other at first but yeah. then suddenly you see the romance grow oh yeah that's much nicer i went up down a much more sinister domestic violence analogy yeah well, i was like you know this always like that stupid big guy josh kennedy who is he even he's not even my favorite josh oh he's intriguing yeah the more i know about him the more i find him intriguing he's not the guy i thought he was and wow yeah. in fact it's maybe like <laughs> two guys one cup where we neg your team <laughs> All right, we should finish up. Yeah. Uh, my parents are coming over. Yeah, all right. Let's uh, get the games up for next week, Michael. First game, Swans take on the Crows at the SCG. Well, this is one that you, sh- you would say that the Swans should win. Um, SCG at home. Uh, yeah, but the Crows have got to make a statement, I would have thought, after last week. They'll be rolled up. Sydney, is as we've said before, it isn't a fortress for them, the, Not anymore. the SCG. It doesn't have that same home ground advantage, but I'm going to say that Sydney still win this one. They match up quite well too when you think about the players they have. Eddie Betts is out, isn't he, for a while? Yeah, and he hasn't been playing that well, Eddie, though, either. And, who, Sam, and they've got Sam Reid's out. Um, I mean, Sydney should win, but when you think about... Like, Sydney got out of jail last week, so I don't know that they were that convincing against the Dogs. And... Adelaide would want to be making up for that embarrassing performance. Tex Walker's going to be bloody breathing fire when he hits the ground. It might be just what they need. I'm going to tip Adelaide just for the sake of, of interest. Crows for me. Okay. On Saturday, the Saints take on the Giants at Etihad Stadium. Hmm. I mean, obviously the Saints. Yeah, I clearly. Mean, you know, yeah, we this, can't. Yeah, and that's my luck of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about it. Unless we talk about the Saints, the better. Okay. I'm going to say GWS, but it, you know what? It is one of those ones that if the Saints, you know, are really going to make a statement, it'd be a good one to and do. And what is our statement? We don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> like, we don't know how this happened. <laughs> That's our statement. <laughs> we're just Jake going in like, circles. I was the same with my kids. <laughs> uh, I missed that last game. What was that, uh, Michael? Can you... Oh, hang on. Let me just bring up my message window. Uh, the next game is Carlton versus West Coast at the MCG. Oh, oh God. I mean, you just can't see. You just can't see Carlton getting close, can you? Well, this will be a good, I reckon, a good indicator of where West Coast are actually at. Because this is what the one when West Coast are an okay team, but not a, you know, really good team. This are you, is the sort of one are they you might suggesting, lose. Will, that West Coast might be flat track bullies? Well, there's a chance that they could be, but I don't think that they are this year. I think they're a different team. Yeah. I'm going to say they're going to beat Carlton at the MCG. Yeah, I reckon six goals at least to the to the Eagles. Port Adelaide take on Geelong at Adelaide Oval. Now, this is going to be a good game, I reckon. Port have been not quite as good as we thought they were, I think, is, you know, like I think they've, they're still going okay, but they're not quite the team that 
we imagined that they might be early on in the season. Mm. Geelong are a very, very good team. Um, this is a toss of the coin, this game. I don't know. I, don't I think know they were both. I this. think Geelong and Port were both kind of average last week. I think, I think Port will win this at home. They got it. And Geelong, I didn't think, even though they beat us by 50 points, I didn't think Geelong were much chop. We were, I mean, we were literally kicking the ball to them. <laughs> I mean, witches' hats don't give you the ball. We were worse than witches' hats. Yeah, that's unfair to witches' hats. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a complaint here from Witches Hats uh, who are unfairly, uh, who do, would not like to be linked. You know, like you when they were the guy who invented tiki torches, yeah, they had yeah. to come out and say, hey, I'm not an alt-right Nazi. <laughs> Just because I'm alt-right Nazis use my beautiful tiki torches, please don't associate them. Uh, Witches Hat Union has come out and said, look, on behalf of Witches Hats, we do not like being compared to St Kilda because we don't give the ball to the players. Uh, port for me. Um. Yeah, I'm going to say Port as well. Your boys travel west. The Bulldogs take on Frio. This is a tough trip. Frio are going pretty well. Um, mm. yeah, I'd like they're, to see us. They're coming back from New South Wales, and it's a, it a six-day break, I think. Oh, no, they play on the Saturday. I'd like to see us win this, though, so I'm going to... Um, I'm going to jump back on board and say the Bulldogs win this one. I think the Bulldogs will win, and I think you'll win quite comfortably. That's my prediction. On Sunday, uh, North Melbourne take on Hawthorne at Etihad Stadium. Hmm. Wouldn't it be great to see fucking North win this game? Uh, I was thinking exactly the same thing. That'd be just, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen, though, so I'm going to say Hawthorne wins this one. I'm going to pick the, I'm going to pick the Kangaroos. Just because I want to see it happen, and I don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say I, I'd certainly be happy to not get my tip right on that one. Brisbane Lion, oh, the fucking Q clash! How do we not give it more sizzle? Will we completely I forgot? Mean, it's the uh, the, I, the calendar. I feel event embarrassed of the year. that we're at the eighty minute mark and we haven't mentioned the Q clash. <laughs> this is <laughs> well, you know what, Charlie? The good news is we'll get to be dedicate most of next week to reflecting on the on the Q yeah. clash. Yeah, we'll do I a think bit. It's been overwhelmed. I would say that the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast have probably taken yeah. some attention away from the, the, the Q Clash. What would be more disappointing, the closing ceremony or the Q Clash? I would like to see at the end of the Q Clash, the commentators turn on the Q Clash in the same way as the Channel 7 commentators <laughs> turned on the closing ceremony. Did you see it? I didn't, I didn't hear that. America? No. What did they say? So the closing ceremony was so bad and um, the, the vision that was provided, it, like, they didn't give the athletes celebrating or anything but that's not channel seven it's the kind of host broadcasters vision they give to seven mm. so at the end basil zemplis and joanna griggs who've been hosting the thing just start turning on it and saying it's a disgrace and we've been getting yeah you know, and, and they turned on it on live tv oh wow it was oh you've got to i'm, see, I'm gonna look it up straight away <laughs> you've got to look up the screen grabs of joanna griggs's face she's like because as the next athlete she's hating the whole fucking thing wow. and they turn on it and I'd love to see that at the end. If the commentators at the end of this game just start turning on the Q clash. Well, you'd think that Brisbane... Well, actually, Gold Coast have to win, really. Because you'd, you'd think that they have a better side and Brisbane got thumped. But I reckon Gold Coast could lose this game. I think... Yeah. Oh, I think this is a, I think this is a toss of a coin. I'll, I couldn't... I, I can't tell you. And you know what the other thing is, Charlie? Regardless of ladder positions... You know that all bets are off for the Q Clash. Yeah, yeah. Teams get themselves up for the Q Clash. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Brisbane Lions. I'm going to say Gold Coast just to make it interesting. Tuesday, Melbourne versus Richmond. 
Oh, of course. Anzac Day. Yes. Uh, Anzac Day Eve, this yeah. one is, of course. Um, so Melbourne, Richmond at the G, that's got to be Richmond, I would have thought. But if Melbourne want to make a statement that they're not the mm. team... I mean, big statement game. You can't see it, people at home, but I just got a big smile on my face thinking about Melbourne failing in front of 80,000 people at the G. Like, it's so mean. I feel terrible for feeling it. Like, this is the thing. Does that make it any better? Like, I know it's wrong, but like, I get a big smile on my face thinking about like Richmond just pantsing them. Oh, yeah. No, no. This will be so much. Like, last week, I got no joy out of Richmond thrashing the Brisbane Lions. That's. That, to me, is bullying. But Richmond thrashing Melbourne in front of 80,000 people the night before Anzac Day, that's the sort of slaughter I think as Australians we can get behind. <laughs> the last game, uh, Anzac Day, Collingwood tri- take on Essendon, traditional Anzac Day game. Well, this is interesting. It's interesting. Interesting game. Two yeah. teams go into it with some good form. Yeah. And Collingwood, I mean, their backs are far off the wall now. They're back yeah. at home. That's the problem. In front of a big crowd. But Essendon are back. They've got their mojo back. I don't know. This is match of the round. Isn't that great that Anzac Day is probably match of the round? Um, um, I'm going to say the Bombers. Like The Bombers were terrible against um, Bulldogs. Yeah, the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago. But they seemed okay last week. And I, I figured that I think, feel like they've got everyone back in their right positions yeah. and they're playing a little bit better. I'm going to say Essendon are going to snatch this one off of Collingwood because I don't think Collingwood's back's are enough against the wall. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Essendon have more good, more, a better spread of good players than Collingwood. Collingwood's elite might be better than Essendon's, but I think, I mean, I also predict Joe Danaher to do something really dumb. Like Joe Danaher to be directly in front 20 metres out and decide to like kick it around the body and miss or something like that. Joe Danaher will do something goofy in this game. <laughs> That's it. Yep, that's it. Uh, as Will mentioned earlier in the show, we've done a special mailbag episode where we tried to get as through as many letters as we could in 25 minutes. So to listen to that episode, you go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash tofop, and you can find it there. So you can sign up for a dollar. If you listen to it, check out the Patreon page, and it's not for you, that's fine. You can unsubscribe. But if you want to support this show, just keep that subscription going. It'll be deducted from your account once a month. It's the way we keep this show going. It pays for our producer, Michael, who does such a great job. Um, and it also supports the other podcasts we do, which, if you're interested in hearing those, you can go to tofop.com and yeah, you'll find everything there. Yeah, Tofop, Fofop, uh, Willosophy, and of course, uh, this one is all there. And yes, that one Patreon page helps us pay for it all. We don't have a sponsor or anything at the moment. And so, uh, you know, there are some costs on putting together the show. So if you like it, um, that's a good way to support it. But we also put up some, uh, you know, heaps of bonus content from the various podcasts and stuff up there. So you can enjoy that as well. Yeah. And uh, if you know Jake Stringer, maybe just explain to him how the birds and the bees work. (laughs) Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.